Amos 5.24 declares, But let justice run down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream flowing abundantly. Welcome to Episode 4 of Iona Speaks about Defending Self-Justice, a platform used for us as women to hear how we can walk in our dominion through the power of voice and the strength of awareness. May this podcast bring hope through enlightenment for every listener on their journey to self-justice in Jesus' name. Previously, we have defined justice and spoke about the power of voice, the overactive thinker, and the working mother. In this, our fourth episode, we will discuss how self-justice is executed through our family values. Growing up, it was a privilege to hear stories about my Native American heritage and my African American heritage. I learned much of my Native American heritage from my mother's family origin and my African American heritage from my father's family origin. I would learn much of this during family cookouts, Sunday dinners, homegoing services when family members were transitioning into heaven, weddings, birthday parties, or any other type of family gatherings. Listening to my grandparents, aunts, and uncles was invaluable in shaping how I would choose to live my life and raise my children. I even learned much about my heritage through stories, even if I didn't personally remember experiencing them because of my age, but could clearly see them memorialized through pictures and the truth of these pictures echoed. For example, when I was about three years old, I was part of a ceremonial dance with the chief at our annual powwow on the Shinnecock Indian Reservation. This was captured through a picture that often was shown to me through the years, where I could see myself in traditional dress with an intense look on my face that expressed both joy and wonder because I was able to celebrate a history that even though I didn't know that much about yet, I would through the stories that my great aunts and uncles would tell me. Although I didn't grow up on the reservation, as was the choice of my parents, it was a place I often visited as a child. I was told about how our tribe migrated from the New England corridor of our nation. Some family members would say that it was willfully, while others would have a different narrative to share by strongly verbalizing how we were forced out and given land and another place out of duty rather than want. From history, of how Native Americans have been treated over the past few centuries, I grew up tending to believe this latter narrative. I remember my great aunts and uncles telling me stories about the origin of the name of Shinnecock and our original language, which I would later come to know that we were initially of the Algonquin-speaking tribe. When my ancestors were given a plot of land in the town of Southampton on eastern Long Island, our name was changed to reflect the territory we were now living in rather than our heritage and our culture. I remember the talks about always respecting and giving honor to our heritage because we built a culture in America that our ancestors wanted preserved for us, yet we were forced to live in a territory of their choosing by the powers that be. I remembered the lessons of respecting the land because it was God's creation for us to live and prosper from in plenty. Not all of my great aunts and uncles lived on the reservation because they also exercised their power of choice. However, what they always said was never forget your heritage. My great grandmother, whom I never had the opportunity of meeting, once sat down with a doctoral student to share the intricacies, customs, and culture of the Shinnecock Indian Nation. 
I was told that this doctoral student spent months speaking to my great-grandmother, and when he completed his dissertation, it was to be archived in the New York Public Library. When my sister and I were both living in New York City, we attempted to gain access to this book so that we could read even more about our heritage. However, we were advised that while this book was listed as a reference that could not be checked out, there was no record of it being anywhere in the library. Therefore, this historical piece of literature was no longer available to the people it was written about. When my great aunts and uncles would tell me about the untold cruelty and brutality that our ancestors experienced just because they spoke a different language, occupied a territory that others wanted to claim, had a darker skin tone, and were forced to live in a region that wasn't their choice, I listened so that I could remember. My paternal grandfather was my hero growing up because he answered every question I ever had and freely shared about his history. He knew that while our history didn't define who we would be in life, our history could not be ignored because it was essential to who we would be in life. My introduction to the transatlantic slave trade was not from school books or teachers, but from my paternal grandfather. As he would sit in his favorite chair in his bedroom or outside by the grill, I would have his ear. He shared about his parents being enslaved, but then made free. And although he was born a free man, he grew up in a small county in Virginia where his rights and privileges were restricted due to the color of his skin because the Jim Crow laws were intrinsically enforced. I remembered him speaking about not always having food to eat or water to drink as a child, and that one week he actually went six days without any physical nourishment, bread or water. He wasn't on a spiritual fast, nor was it his choice, but something that was forced upon him as a result of the depravity of times that he was living in. I remember him teaching me about the importance of respecting others, even when they chose not to respect me. I remember him teaching me that no one is perfect, but that everyone has a purpose that they must learn to execute because God chose to create each and every one of us. So our lives do have value, even when others didn't recognize this value. I remember my grandfather teaching me that success was for me and that all I had to do is take the first step, align myself with the right people and trust that God wanted me to have this success and it would happen for me. The man I grew up knowing was an intensely spiritual man who had experienced blatant racism, physical hardship, and emotional anguish. Yet he didn't want his children or grandchildren to live a life of abandonment, lack, and suffering. So he made choices and taught us strategies so that we wouldn't grow up as he did. He was a man strong in stature who walked in humility with great wisdom. As close as I was to my grandfather, I don't believe that he shared every experience with me, every conversation he heard, every act of discrimination and segregation he encountered, everything he saw as an African-American male growing up in Jim Crow South. But I believed he shared as much as he could so that I would always feel that my questions were being answered for me to have a blueprint of what this life is and who I am to be in it. Since my grandfather was a reflective and spiritual man, he was highly respected in our community and in our church, both regardless of and in regards of his race. 
Although my children have not had the opportunity to meet some of my incredible family members who made significant contributions to my life, I will execute self-justice by sharing these stories told to me about my heritage so that they too can know pieces of their heritage that will provide them with a landscape to walk in the truth of who they are. Embracing the family values that were taught to me through the demonstration of life that were shared with me through so many historical stories have caused me to execute self-justice in many ways. It has helped me to maintain hope in the face of irrational resistance. It has helped me to not remain in my place of brokenness when I have experienced episodes of trauma. It has helped me to not remain in a place of despair when I experience fear. It has helped me to not remain in a place of agony when I experience loss. I will share the stories and model the strategies that were shared and taught to me because knowing your heritage is important and learning your history is vital to executing self-justice for yourself and your children for future generations to make their mark of significance in this world. Therefore, I encourage every woman listening to walk in the knowledge of their heritage that shapes their family values to help them grow and be prominent in a society that might want to keep us invisible and insignificant. As we conclude this episode, I trust that every woman and mother listening be empowered to walk in their dominion as they realize there is value in their life through all of their experiences so that they can become the defenders of self-justice for themselves. Thank you for listening to Iona Speaks about defending self-justice and have a prosperous and powerful week.